coming up, time to give you a bit of a voice. So how about we air your representative feedback on trailer sway and heavy towing and general heavy hauling highway mayhem. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, or you can click the card on screen now. But in today's report, got a heap of, let's call it, interesting comments from you on that dude who threw his boat so memorably into the weeds. Obviously, these comments orbit my recent report on this particular disaster and how you might prevent it, which, if you've not seen it, you can detain yourself by viewing now. If you click this, wherever it is, on-screen card up there somewhere. I will, of course, wait with such infinite patience. I'm renowned for that. It's such a virtue. Most interesting comment, though, just this morning, from a dude named... Douglas Miller. I was one of two tow truck drivers who recovered that boat. The boat had moved back on the trailer. The winch support had come loose and slid back. The owner had said every time he got to 100 k's an hour, the car would start to wobble. The vehicle combo was also not weight balanced correctly. Thank you very much for that comment, Douglas. Audiences are such a fantastic brains trust. Just awesome. So, hashtag respect. See, that's a really interesting piece of previously unknown information, at least previously unknown to me. The boat moves back, the trailer gets less and less stable in yaw as it does so, that's rotation like that. It makes complete sense when you think about it. The driver even notices this increased propensity to sway and yet... And this really does my head in, I've got to say. There's no evidence that he stopped and investigated the freaking problem. Maybe he did and found nothing, but... And I'm really trying to be so charitable here. If he noticed the sway starting at about 100, why not just remain below 100, you know, because of what might happen? You know, get back home safely and take steps to get a mechanic or a trailer joint, a specialist mob, to sort this problem out before the next outing. Noticing sway, which is rock-solid evidence of instability, and then driving like that, words fail me. It's not logical, okay? And it certainly doesn't seem to be responsible behaviour, at least not how I'd describe it anyway. If the trailer's not properly load-balanced, any external influence, like the Bernoulli-Venturi effect on overtaking, the transverse crown in the road, whatever, well... You've seen the result, right? Pressing on in the face of this evidence of a major problem like that, if what Mr. Miller says is correct, is just incomprehensible to me. Paul Cromwell now. Sorry, John, this is simply bad advice. This particular clip is point in case that accelerating out of a sway incident is a bad idea. I think you mean case in point, dude. Measure twice and cut once, with grammar 
as with everything else. Paul is, of course, not yet done. Trailer sway is bad enough once it occurs. You certainly don't need it to be happening at any greater speed. I actually advised accelerate gently, dude, gently, and keep the wheels pointed ahead. Do not counter steer because it will feed back and potentially increase the amplitude of the pendulum. If you keep the coupling under tension by accelerating gently, keyword gently, you will reduce the amplitude. If the coupling goes into compression, you will increase the amplitude, hashtag physics. Don't accelerate aggressively, however. Paul goes on. Accelerating was perhaps relevant many moons ago with small trailers at low speed, but is very dangerous advice these days and with larger trailers, rigs. The brakes are your best friend when sway occurs as the rear end of the tow rig is fairly weighted and well planted and immediately transferring the sway energy momentum to the tow vehicle is far more effective and safe than speeding up and hoping this will pull me straight again. Recipe <laughs> for disaster. Kindly note how I make no comment whatsoever on the concept of pulling me straight once again. I certainly have turned over a new leaf, haven't I? Anyway, I would say, easy on the friggin' exclamation points, dude, because that represents rather a lot of shouting. They're not emphasis points, they're exclamation points. Hashtag grammar. Firstly, though, I don't think there's been all of that much law reform in the laws of Newtonian frickin' physics between many moons ago and now. I just don't. But just so you don't think this is a matter of opinion, like mine versus Paul's or something, this is the official advice from the New South Wales Road Regulation mob, rms.newsouthwales.gov.au, link in the description, and here's what they say about trailer sway and getting out of it. If a trailer starts to sway, the vehicle's brakes should not be applied except as an absolute last resort. If the trailer's brakes can be operated by themselves, they should be applied gently. Otherwise, a steady speed or slight acceleration should be held, if possible, until the sway stops. So I'd like to make an important clarification surrounding all of this, okay? It's applicable to all loss of control and skidding, sliding events, things like that out on the road, not just heavy towing tank slappers, all right? There is a phase of these incidents where the event is potentially recoverable by you if you get it right, and disaster may be averted, okay? And that's what we all want. So in this phase, do what the experts say, accelerate gently, keyword, gently, to keep the coupling in tension, Keep your vision up and oriented down there where you want to go with both hands on the wheel and then hope for the best. And I hope to Christ you're driving at a moderately conservative safe speed, all right? But if you transition into phase two and you're crashing, right, or inevitably about to crash and there's nothing you can do, brake, okay? Hit the brakes and brake heavily like attempt to snap the brake pedal off and push it through the damn floor, okay? Brake like that. If you are going to crash, the best possible outcome generally occurs at the lowest possible speed on the balance of probability. Some criticism of the Venturi effect now that led to the crash from a dude named Nooch 
86. I don't really think there was any type of suction at play. I'm no scientist, but the distance between the boat and the car is too great, and the relative speed between the boat and the cars is too similar. So, Nooch, this is perhaps not a fair fight between us, because I am kind of a scientist, okay? In as much as engineering is exclusively an applied science. But I would suggest that the relative speed between the boat and the cars is kind of insignificant vis-a-vis Bernoulli, right? What sets up the Venturi here is the speed difference between the vehicles on each side, both doing about 100, and the air between those vehicles, which is roughly static, okay? So there's that. The Venturi, the Bernoulli effect, same thing. The hull of the boat, right, is incidentally a perfect-ish shape for generating that. So there's that. Uh, here's Nooch again. More likely, the driver noticed that he was drifting too far over to the right side of the lane and he then corrected far too abruptly. You can kind of see this at exactly 4 minutes 14 seconds. Dude, you cannot see the tow vehicle doing anything at that time because it's obscured by the boat. So what you have here, I'd suggest, is at best... An interesting hypothesis. He did run quite wide to the right initially, probably a lurch as a result of crossing that transverse crown in the road, and this may well have been an additional contributor to the crash. Then the Venturi kind of kicked in twice as the boat passed each car, and crashing was basically inevitable given the totality of the circumstances after that. Coito Rob chimed in, as well. Are you sure your theory of causality is correct? It looks to me like the driver doesn't know the width of his trailer and when he pulls out to overtake puts the trailer wheels off the tarmac. <sighs> the wheels don't go off the tarmac. They stay on the tarmac. They go beyond the white line on the right demarking the edge of the right lane but they stay on the bitumen. That's pretty clear from the video so we'd have to consider that. And the core question, right, am I sure? Well, in the domain of science, there are observations you can make from videos such as this, and then there are hypotheses you can advance which are consistent with the vision and the underlying physics, okay? And there's no single cause here, unless you just want to say that the trailer was unstable, he overtook too fast, in the wrong spot, and look what happened. That's absolutely true, but it doesn't help all that much in the domain of prevention, like to prevent this happening potentially to you. So I'd like to drill down into that just a little bit more, right? And there's, there's a positive that can flow from that if we drill down into it and put some risk mitigation in place, yeah? What we're actually looking at is a confluence of contributing factors, right? They all line up. Douglas Miller's point about the load shifting rearwards is tremendously significant. It predisposes the trailer to excessive sway, and that was one of those unknown unknowns that Donald Rumsfeld raved on about so famously one day in the past that we can add to this picture now, thanks very much, and that's another causal factor, right? He went a little bit wide when he crossed the transverse crown because the trailer swayed over that way initially, and then he ran into the Bernoulli effect, our hero on this video. That's the Venturi thing we've discussed, and he was going too fast to recover. And at that point, at least as I see it, 
crashing was a done deal. So that's my hypothesis of events about how this crash took place currently. And I've updated it on the basis of that new information about the boat moving backwards and the winch support having shifted, blah, blah, blah. Okay. There's a dude who you should make yourself aware of named Professor James Reason. And you can look him up easily on Google. He's the father of disaster analysis theory. And he coined a thing which sounds trivial, but is actually absolutely on the money called the Swiss cheese theory which Google also knows of, and you can research ad nauseum, right? What it says is that risk factors are kind of like slices of Swiss cheese, which you throw up into the air in particular situations. And if the holes manage to line themselves up, there's a pathway for a disaster to steam on through at that point, okay? But if you just move one or more of those slices, even a little bit by mitigating the risk and changing their position on the chessboard, there's no longer a pathway for that disaster to occur, okay? So that's what you try and do with risk management, right? Pull the slices out of play or just move them a bit to make it harder for disaster. So I'd suggest if our hero in this particular video had just stopped and checked the trailer and discovered that the boat had slipped back and then taken steps to fix the problem or sideline the trailer and get it towed on a flatbed, whatever, no disaster, okay? If he just noticed the added sway above 100 and kept the speed down and refrained from that disastrous overtaking manoeuvre, no disaster, okay? That's what we all want in the future, right? So I'm pretty sure my current hypothesis is on the money, or at least close, but learning via the comments that the winch was loose and the load had shifted, that's hugely significant. And in the domain of science, what you do when you get different information, new credible information, is you update your hypothesis. Otherwise, you're just sort of hanging on to something that's no longer the best version that you can hope to use in the future to cure this kind of problem, okay? So I urge you in considering these kinds of issues and safety on the road generally to think in terms of the slices of Swiss cheese, you know, the risk factors and not just the causality. The thing to do is to mitigate as many risk factors as you possibly can and don't give your potential disaster, whatever it is, a viable pathway through all of that cheese, okay? David Hughes now. Why no mention of the fact that the overtaking was done going downhill? I live near the M40 motorway and most trailer accidents happen on the long downhill sections. Dude, in other news, the sky was blue and the trees were green. When you're on the highway, okay, and you're heading towards a bridge over a gully, you're going downhill because pff, topography. There's no bridges over gullies on the tops of hills generally. I mean, certainly not in that kind of terrain. The main reasons why these crashes happen going downhill is that in many vehicles, the powertrain limits uphill performance when you tow something heavy. So you just can't go all that fast because you're battling gravity. This is quite frustrating for many drivers who don't tow perhaps every day or all that often. So when they get to a downhill section, thanks to the high-tech miracle of gravity assistance, they enjoy this feeling of liberation, of being able to power back up up and accelerate to 100 or beyond, whatever. This feels great in the moment, okay? But it opens the door to dynamic instability 
And it also pisses off the world and his brother, who've been held up behind you on every uphill section until now, and they can't overtake downhill right now without speeding and risking a friggin' fine because you are driving like a big bag of dicks. If you're towing something heavy, okay, drive at 85 or 90 maximum, kilometres an hour not miles an hour. Don't speed up downhill just because you can, just because gravity, right? It opens the door to events like the one we've just seen, which you really don't want to have a starring role in, right? Here's an interesting take from a dude named Dunk. The only chance that bloke would have had John is if he had electric trailer brakes. He would have had to get on the trailer brakes only at the first feeling of trailer sway. Of course, like you say though, no one should get themselves in that situation to start with. This is quite a complex proposition, which I agree with wholeheartedly, hypothetically, but only hypothetically. See. There's a huge practical problem with just applying the trailer brakes, like just apply the brakes. It sounds so simple, okay, if you're an armchair expert and it's absolutely gonna work and it is so effective. However, put yourself in this position. Imagine that you are the pilot of a large commercial jet with hundreds of people on board before the pandemic. All of those lives are in your hands and you're cleared for takeoff by the tower on the ground roll, accelerating full throttle. You look down, you get to V1, you rotate, okay? You're watching the airspeed indicator, looking for V2 and a positive rate of climb. And then you're just gonna put the gear away and look for the three green lights that confirm that that gear is locked, okay? Because that's how takeoff works. And it's worked like that for you dozens upon dozens of times before, more than you would care to count. And in this situation, you just hit V2, okay? And without warning, engine number two fails catastrophically. Like maybe it's on fire. You're not going to know, but you are going to be aware that it's failed. And at that point, you have to do exactly the right things immediately or everyone dies, okay? Below V1, you're going to land. Above V2, you must fly out of the airfield. And they're completely different processes requiring completely different actions from you. So over to you, okay? Your, all those lives in your hands, your response to this threat has to be immediate and instinctive and, importantly, correct. The reason everyone typically doesn't die when this happens is the pilot has done this many, many times in a simulator. All the permutations, right? Maybe hundreds of times. It doesn't even raise a sweat because it's all been done before and it's locked into muscle memory. They just do it. So back to you towing the trailer, okay? You're in the middle of this incipient sway from hell event, which you were not expecting, just like the failure of engine two at about V2, yeah, to activate the trailer brakes, which sounds so friggin' easy in the armchair. You either have to know, okay? You've gotta know by virtue of rock solid muscle memory developed by endless practice, exactly where that switch is. And it might be a lever or a dial in your particular setup, but you've got to know it without looking at it, exactly where it is in the cockpit layout, the cabin layout, whatever. You have to know which way it moves and you just have to reach and do it. And you have to do this without hesitation. Time is a factor, okay? If you have practiced this a few hundred times, then hey, no problem, well done. You've saved the whole show. 
It's just like, you know, slipping a punch in the boxing ring. It just happens if you practice. You don't think about it consciously. It's just one of those flow state kind of responses, right? But if you've not practiced, you're in this thing called an OODA loop, okay? Double O-D-A. Observe, orient, decide, and act. That's what you've got to do. In fact, we go through life like that. You might not even get all the way to act, okay? Because your IQ is going to be in free fall. We'll get to that. If you do, okay, you'll need to take your eyes off the road and orient yourself to the switch and figure its operation out if you've not done sufficient practice. So good luck with that. Especially since in this situation, your own biology is going to be betraying you. In this situation, evolution is flooding your body with stress hormones, okay? Your peripheral vision is shutting down. There's a massive vasoconstriction response going on. You lose the circulation in your extremities. Your arms feel like lead. You lose the fine motor control in your fingers. It's not very pleasant at all only you're not particularly introspective at that time. You lose about 60 friggin' IQ points when this happens to you. So you're not going to be able to figure this out in the moment without considerable repetitive preparation and training. And if you've done that, happy days. It's kind of like being attacked, right? You do not rise to these occasions, okay? You fall back on any training that you might have done or you die. Okay, so there's a cheery thought about preparing for this kind of stuff. This is why I do not recommend applying the trailer brakes as a solution. It's very effective, but unfortunately, most drivers are just not smart enough and not disciplined enough and not diligent enough to train themselves to respond to this kind of threat in this kind of way automatically. Like trailer brakes, okay? Yeah, great idea, hypothetically. In reality, for most drivers, the trailer brakes, just a fantasy. Gerard Opperwell now. Every combination has a critical speed. Accelerating will only increase the mess. Slowing down is the solution. If you must overtake, do it uphill. If you feel the slightest swaying, slow down. This driver has no clue whatsoever, in my humble opinion. I've been towing on the weight limit for decades, never had a problem, never the first to arrive either. Yeah, look, I agree with all of that wholeheartedly. You know, I just wish we could develop a magic formula for imparting that view in the community broadly. And look, in this situation, I don't think you should accelerate aggressively, okay? But you should keep that coupling under tension. I think we're in furious agreement that you should maintain a conservatively low safe speed when you tow something heavy, even if you are getting an egg on from gravity going downhill because, hey, you've seen what can happen. To be perfectly clear, the crash we are discussing is a done deal the moment Bernoulli dropped by to nudge the trailer that way. There's no getting out of it at that point, at least not that I can see. But if you are driving conservatively and sway kicks in, just keep some gentle accelerative tension on the coupling and hold the wheel straight. And if you can instinctively apply the trailer brakes because you've practiced it with complete OCD, yeah, do that. And then pull over safely and check the trailer for obvious defects like low tyre pressures or the boat shifting back.
Bob778 now. While I don't tow, I have been stuck behind plenty of caravans on twisty roads doing 15 kilometres an hour under the speed limit. I know theoretically that since they are towing a heavy load they need to go slower to be safe, I've never bothered to have a look at some actual science of why they go slow, but will have slightly more patience while stuck behind them in future before I go full, you only live once, across some double white lines around a blind corner to save that vital 10 minutes from the road trip. Okay, so I'm gonna assume that last crack was a joke because, dude, you simply do not enjoy some moral imprimatur to drive like a card-carrying cock in any situation. You just don't. You've got to remove slices of Swiss cheese from the equation, not add to them. If someone's moving slower than you on the highway, right, just wait. Wait endlessly, if necessary, for a perfectly safe overtaking opportunity. Don't take risks. It, it might work well 99 times out of 100. Who knows? But on the time that it doesn't, you know, it's unacceptable. Like 99% in domains like this is not a pass. It's just not. Patience is a frigging virtue, dude. And no more so than on the highway during the holidays. You know, some guy in front of you towing a caravan at 85 and 100 zone, he is keeping himself and everyone around him safe. So my advice would be, don't be an asshole. So a suggestion now from Joseph J. I have a radical idea similar to EU laws. Anyone pulling a trailer cannot go over 20 kilometers per hour below the speed limit. If the speed limit is 110, cannot go over 90 with the minimum set at 50. Same for heavy vehicles due to their massive weight and larger stopping distances. Yeah, good idea for towing, potentially, but the reality is mandated lower speeds for towing are generally not a legislative thing for Australia. Nor is there a requirement for additional training or license endorsement and things of that nature. Okay, so how this works. In Western Australia, the absolute limit for towing is 100 k's an hour, even if the posted limit is 110. In New South Wales, if the gross combination mass is more than four and a half tonnes, your limit is 100, okay, even in 110 zones. So that's like a ute with a two and a half tonne caravan or something, kind of thing. Posted limit applies in Tasmania up to 12 tonnes of GCM. And it's the posted limit in Victoria, the ACT, Queensland, Northern Territory and South Oz as well. So no special speed provisions in those states, at least not that I could find and I did look. Some manufacturers have maximum towing speeds for various towing combinations. Subaru did that and maybe still does. I did not look at that recently used to be 80 k's an hour for Subaru. Ford did a similar kind of thing on the territory as well, if memory serves, and that worked like this. For 2,700 plus kilos, it was 80 k's an hour maximum. At 2,300 kilos, it was 85 k's. And for 1,600 kilos, it was 95, the limit. So my advice would be read the owner's manual and figure out what's safe for your car, because it could be one of those tabulated things based on the mass and you would want to know. But beyond that, and perhaps even more importantly, just drive conservatively when you tow, because towing a big heavy thing is not a trivial pursuit, all right? It dramatically impacts the stability and the performance of your vehicle. It's not gonna drive normally when you've got two tons hanging out the back or more. 
If you'd normally drive conservatively at 100 in some particular set of driving conditions unfettered by the trailer, how about you knock it back to 80 or 85 in the same conditions with a heavy trailer behind? No matter how rock solid the vehicle combination seems when everything's going right. Because as you've just seen, you are closer to the edge than you might think. You can transition from in control to out of control very rapidly and very easily and without all that much nudging when you tow something heavy. And it all feels great, right? The whole thing is going to feel great. You might have done thousands of kilometres feeling great. Feels great <laughs> until it doesn't. And then it feels really not great. And in between those two states of great and not great, the opportunities for you to recover control are limited at best. 